shrunken in size and are laying eggs, crows. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Podquisition. I'm your host, Jim Sterling. I'm joined, as always, by Laura. Hello. Hello. How are you this week, Jim? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, yeah, nothing much to report. Um, I mean, I, I could tell you what I've been doing this week, but I can't. So, moving on. <laughs> things you can't talk about. Cause Fucking hate it, it, everything. Fuck everything. <laughs> Why would you hate us? We're just, we, we did things. You have no idea what we did, Gavin. What's up, Gavin? How are you? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. Not too bad now. I'm, I'm, That's uh, right. It is one of those rare weeks where I wish I was a game journalist. <laughs> How's uh, Halo is, 5, that Gavin? That is not something I would often say, believe me. <laughs> Gavin, how is Halo 5? How is Halo 5? I, we are, we're going to break because it's, it's 50 episodes now. 50 episodes <laughs> of Podquisition. So we're going we're gonna to go wacky. Balls to the figurative wall. The balls are literal. And we're going to ask Gavin how Halo 5 is as a special treat. <laughs> it's the episode you've all been waiting for. We no, ask Gavin I see about what Halo you're doing. 5. No, no, I see, I see what you're doing here, fuckers. I know what you're doing here. See, you haven't introduced Laura yet. So you're deliberately letting me talk about Halo 5 in a limited time frame. <laughs> no, 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 no. I said no. hello, Laura. I said yeah. hello to Laura. You said hello to me. I said, I said hello. hello. It's all yeah. good. We're going to actually for once ask you what you think about a video game because we can't tell you what we think about a video game. All What's right. up with that Halo 5 there, Gavin? It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I didn't try the multiplayer yet. I'm not sure if I uh-huh. will because I'm really sick of multiplayer gaming. But uh, the campaign... Well, I hear that Halo 5, it's all about the story. Yeah, the campaign, um, I can't say it's the strongest one I've played in a Halo game. It's not bad by any means. It's functional. It's really, really? mechanically very good. It's The commercials it, made it sound awesome, like you're hunting the evil Master Chief. Yeah, is, no, is, you is don't... That, is that not... Is, are those adverts not representative of the final product, as IGN put in a feature this week? Not, not a whole lot, actually. There's, like, one scene where... I mean, I, it's hard to say without spoilers, but it's underwhelming when the two uh, characters meet. That, that's all I'll say. There's parts of the story that are cool, and there's parts that you're just like, ah, they could have done more with this. But, you know, as I, I, I was saying this to, um, I think it was to Laura during the week, I think because of the oversaturation of open world games recently, I enjoyed Halo 5 more than I probably should have. Because it was so nice to just get back into a linear shooter again yeah. after Thank so goodness, long. Thank goodness this game tells me where to go. That's so yeah. rewarding and pleasurable. I really yeah. do. I like you make a fair point because there, there's a there's a pacing and a structure set yeah. by a linear game that you can't match in an open world mm. game. It's it's no. a particular style and a particular atmosphere it brings with it. Uh, that's Halo, missing now that so many games have gone open world. Halo always has been particularly good at atmosphere and environments, and, and like this one's no exception. It's it's fantastic looking, it's fantastic sounding. The, oh my god, the soundtrack. Holy shit, the Halo 5 soundtrack is like the best game soundtrack I've heard in years, I think. It's so fucking good. It's that's just good. got I'm, that I'm, epic feel to it. Like I have decided, um, mostly to appease a guy on... Um, Twitter, who calls himself Crazy Juan Seven Seven Seven, and and posts in the. It's a fan. He might. He's probably listening to this. Hello, Juan. Hello, hello to you. I'm your friend. Don't be angry at me. 
Um, he's quite he's quite upset because I didn't review Ori and the Blind Forest once because the game was broken, and I said I might get around to reviewing it when it gets fixed. And then real life happened and responsibilities happened. And I never got around to it, and he's never let that go. Never mm. let it go. And I said to people, you know, I might review Halo Five right now. I'm incredibly busy. Um, embargoes rest- uh, and things like that prevent me from talking about the sheer workload that faces me. Like the amount of stuff I'm doing at the moment. To say nothing of the video production I do every day um, mm. is it's a killer. Uh, so I I may do Halo Five, and and he got very upset. I was like, yeah, just like you may review Ori and the Blind Forest, <laughs> um, basically implying that that I'm not. Uh, giving good Microsoft titles their dues. Uh, so so there we go. Uh, when I have time, I would very much like to review Halo 5. I don't think anybody who uh, who, who thinks I've got it out for Microsoft will like it when you I know, review on, Halo 5. Because I don't know what I'm talking about with Halo 5. On one hand, it's like maybe a little arrogant to pester people to review certain things that you want reviewed. But on the other, I suppose it's kind of flattering that people like your review so much that they really want you to review stuff. Well, kind I mean, like it depends what their motive thing. is. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> so I strongly suspect <laughs> when they've already predetermined that you've got it out for a company, I feel like they, they don't care what I think at the end of the day. They they just they've already decided what I think and just want it in the flesh so they can mm. bitch about it. Um, mm. But then, but anyway, that's besides the point. We said we wouldn't focus on uh, people doing that on the, on this show, but that was just for episode fifty special edition. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so I'm still on the I might review Halo Five thing. I'd quite like to check it out because I hear it's 60, 60 FPS on uh, console. It is. I really that, could do with a that. Yeah, that was a very nice surprise, and it, it see, I'd like to see that. As a result, it has that Call of Duty thing where the combat just feels really good. At least for the first, like, five hours, I found they did... The, 343 have this thing where they fall... And they, they did it with Halo 4s. Or was it Halo 4? Yeah, Halo 4 as well. Where they will put you in an arena and just send wave after wave after wave oh, of enemies after you. And it just... At, towards the end of the game... You go, you're because the story is finally progressing at the end of the game, and you just want to see what's happening at that point. And every time you're stopped by another room full of waves, you're like, "Oh, come on, just let me get on with it!" And don't start me on the yeah, fucking um... boss fight. There's one shitty <laughs> boss fight who one hit kills you on normal with his fucking sword, and he charges at you. And this is a first-person shooter. It's not a game that has a dodge mechanic. <laughs> he charges at you, and one hit kills you with his sword. You don't die then. You have to wait there for 40 seconds while your idiotic AI teammates try and revive you while they themselves are getting one-shotted by the sword. And you have to do this boss fight five fucking times over the game. The same boss fight. Plus... What? And the last time you do it, there's four of him. What? <laughs> It is, oh. that, that's just indefensible in 2015. Oh, you've just completely unsold me on getting it now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, every, I do no, not have time for lot, that. <laughs> there's a lot to love in, in Halo 5, but I just had to round about that fucking boss. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's unanimously been hated. Everyone I've seen talk about the game hates that boss. I'm going to ask you some questions about Halo 5, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I've never been that into the series. I played, like, a bit of the first Halo which is called officially Halo 1. I've not played Halo 2. <laughs> it's combat played, evolved. That's what you call it. It's called Halo 1. Um, 
I've not played Halo 2, which I believe is called Halo Combat 2. Uh, I've played all of Halo 3, Guitar Hero Legends of Rock. I've played all of that one. I played it co-op with a man called Wardrock, who I used to do a podcast with. Then we stopped talking to each other, and now he does roller derby. Um, that's got nothing to do with anything. Uh, I played like the first 15 minutes of Halo 4. So um, here's me piecing together the story from playing the first 10 minutes of Halo, first 20 minutes of Halo 4, and all of Halo 3, right? There's, there is a bloke, right, who is the Spartan chief, okay? Now, he dresses up in green and has uh, an orange visor that looks like you can't see through it, but he can. And that's part of why he is, like, special and better than everyone else, because he can see through plastic. Um, that, I know that much. Um, he fights the Covenant, which are a religion of little things that scream. Am I right so far? Absolutely, yeah. Right? Now, the Covenant want the halo rings that are in space. And uh, the Spartan chief is like, no, stop it. Just stop. Just stop it. And then he picks up a gun with pink things in it, and it shoots pink spikes. Yeah, um, you've left out one important plot detail, which is that the fungus from uh, The Last of Us is also... Uh, oh no, I'm coming to them. Yeah. I'm coming to them. Because they're a thing called the Flood. Now, Flood is also uh, a machine in Super Mario Sunshine that shoots water. And no, 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 that and, one's pronounced and Flood. It, the, flo- the Flood Flood. is also an, uh, an extremely talented music producer who uh, has worked right. with you too so, and who helped to build the Halos. So the Flood and the Flood are in league with you too. To and they're fighting. Are they fighting Spartan Chief and the Covenants, or or are they with the Covenants to fight the Spartan Chief? Um, it kind of changes as the story goes along. Oh, so, the so they flood, just decide when, when when it's convenient. You see, okay, but someone was like complaining about spoilers to us this week on Twitter, and if I explain the plot of the entire Halo series, there's going to be massive spoilers. Okay. So I don't know if all I right, should. It's Basically, I, the flood, I, I think I've got it. I've flood, got it. So the flood is like the unstoppable big bad, and the covenant, right. until they're stopped. The covenant are trying to get rid of them. So the covenant, they, the, they the have little a very extreme guys. way of doing that. And right. Master Chief wants to stop them, but then okay. there's also a load of other stuff in there that, like, they when they first find humanity, humanity is battling the flood and they mistakenly uh-huh. or maybe not so mistakenly think wow humanity is this bunch of warmongers let's wipe them out now there is a movie starring robin williams rest in peace great great talented comedian called flubber now has that got anything to do with the flood or not uh yeah they're basically made of flubber but they've they're they've, of, uh, they've right. merged with the blob because as far as I can see, because um, there was another game I played a bit of called Halo The Reach, and they jump really high. Is that because of Flubber? Are they wearing the flood on their feet? Yeah, that's basically right. it. Right, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Now there's another person called uh, the Arbitrator who has a long neck and goes, <clears throat> and he's a bad guy, but sometimes he's not. Well, basically, he used to be a referee in the Italian Football League. Uh-huh. And so basically, yeah, he's depending on the game. He's a, a good guy or a bad guy. You know, it just right, really depends right. on which, no which fan base. Mm. 
Yeah. I have one question for you, Gavin. There's yeah. there's this character called Cortana, and as I understand it, Cortana started off as a as a basically a Siri thing that you could get on your phone, and they based a character in Halo on on her. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. And also, okay. right. she has an amazing. <laughs> yeah, she has an amazing <laughs> bottom. <laughs> She's best friends with Siri, who's got a big, like, nice blue ass that people yeah. like to look at. He's so you see, Ma- Master Chief is basically the um, Master Chief is basically the mildly racist Indian caricature guy from um, The Big Bang Theory, in that he is like way too friendly with Siri. Right, gotcha. Mm. And at some point in all of this, the Reapers come, yeah. and you've got to choose whether you're going to be a paragon or a renegade, and then kill all your friends. Well, no, there's and... the third choice. You can be a vegetarian in the middle as well. Right, yeah. that's the green colour. Yeah, the green colour. That's where you choose to be a no, vegetarian. There's no, there's green colours now. It's just blue and orange. The whole game is blue and orange from start to finish. Blue and fucking orange everywhere. Do you know what? We watched Jurassic World this week and we watched the Entourage movie and both of those movies, fucking blue and orange everywhere, not one other colour in the whole damn movie. It's a, it's a classic. Just stop with the blue and it's orange. It's a Hollywood holdover. It's, it's the two <laughs> recognisable it colours. It's, it's the fucking movie equivalent of auto-tune. It sucks yeah. the goddamn <laughs> yeah. life out of the picture and I hate it. I'm so, I mean, I like blue and I like yeah. orange and I like them together, but not all the time. So I think I've learned everything I need to learn about Halo from all of this. It's yeah. too blue and orange. Yeah. Um, uh, Cortana. Siri, uh, Siri happens. Yeah. Siri has no clothes on. The Covenant and the Flood are friends, Siri but has... not. And there's Flubber. Yeah. And the Arbitrator is an Italian referee. Uh, and I think that's everything. Everything there is to know about Halo. Yeah. Plus, she Siri has a very, very, very amazing bottom in Halo Four. Right. Yeah. Right. Right, so I think I ha- I'm pretty. I-, I think I'm clued in to review Halo Five now. Yeah. Well, it's important to note that as we learnt this week, Cortana is definitely not naked, though. She's not naked because she is digital, and digital cannot be naked, according to the people at Three Four Three. Didn't say that about anything, though. Yeah, it's like that character in the video game isn't naked because they're a digital model, and digital models don't have genitals, therefore it's not nude. Mm. He yeah, could just enough. be wearing like a lycra, lycra suit or something, do you know? Yeah, she might as well be. Because she doesn't though. have nipples and she doesn't have a camel toe like Edie, so. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that, that, has been, <laughs> that, that has been Let Gavin Talk About Video Games Corner, in which we actually let Gavin talk about a video game for a minute. Yeah, now he answered all my us, questions. I yeah. really appreciate that. Thank and you now for, for that. <laughs> And now we just uh, don't let Gavin say another word throughout the podcast. Is that is that what's on the docket, Jim? I think that's I think that was the agreed upon. I think that's when we signed the contracts. That's what, that's where it went for our special yeah, 50th episode. This, this was day, day one. Okay, in episode fifty, we'll pick whatever game Gavin wants to talk about, and we'll let him answer questions on it for approximately you, twelve minutes. If you were going to do that, you should have waited a week. <laughs> oh no, no, we knew that Fallout Four was going to be next week, and we were like, you know what, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna be horrible. I feel like oh yeah, gonna... yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a very week, you're long not even allowed next week. Next week, you're not even allowed to say the word Fallout, Gavin. <laughs> I, that's actually, that is my challenge. I want you to spend the next next week never saying the word Fallout. I need some incentive. Uh, no, I, I have the, not the carrot, but I have the stick. I'm going to send you the remainder of some jelly beans. 
If you say Fallout, I'm going to make you eat one of the things that I eat this week. If you say Fallout during that show. Oh, that's show. horrible. No. I think this will be a fun challenge, right? I'm not yep. saying don't talk about Fallout next week when you've played it, Gavin. Just not but say I, the word. I want to give you a list of words that you can't say. <laughs> or a list of words that say. if you say them, you have to eat a jelly bean after saying them. Oh, that'd be horrible. <gasps> can I send you the rest of the jelly beans, Gavin? No. Right, can we just can we get the jelly bean thing out of the way? Because I feel like you're you're going to be worried about it all episode, Laura, and I, want you, I, I just want this out of the way now. Yeah. Laura was sent some it. horrible jelly beans. Yeah, a lovely, lovely fan called Ian has sent me some jelly beans, as well as he is sending me some Fallout 4 beer. I appreciate the beer. I don't appreciate these jelly beans. <laughs> episode He's... 50, everyone. So, yeah. that's... People ask if we're going to do anything special for episode 50. Oh. I'm just going to interrupt and butt in and randomly say episode 50 at various points uh, of the show. Episode Carry 50... On. Episode 50 is the episode in which you're going to hear me vomit live on air, probably. Maybe, if, we, if we're lucky. It's, it's entirely possible. So someone has sent me a pack of Jelly Belly Bean Boozled Beans, which basically have ten like different colours of jelly bean. Uh-huh. Now, each of these colours could be one of two flavours. Uh-huh. So here is an example. These white jelly beans with yellow spots on them could be buttered popcorn or rotten egg. Ugh, I don't um, even like the buttered popcorn ones. I've had the, them. They're not yeah. even nice. The black ones could be licorice or skunk spray. Skunk spray? How is that a flavour? I don't know. Um, the white ones could be coconut or baby wipes. <laughs> the yellow ones, caramel <laughs> corn baby wipes or moldy. Are, are pretty I'm, I'm hoping pre pre use. So um, just taste of chemicals. Yeah. The, the two that scare me most, perhaps, uh-huh. uh, caramel corn or mouldy cheese. Mm, or, I don't want jelly cheese. Or there is peach or bath. Bath. Bath, vomit. Oh, bath. Si- I thought you bath, like, like just bath water. Oh, barf. No. Yeah, I thought vomit. you said bath. Uh, that's, your, that's your English accent. That is my English accent, <laughs> no. Uh, it's oh, either I, peach, I for peach, a bath. <laughs> it's peach or vomit. So... Right. Go on, I, any Okay, where, where do Episode I even 15. start? Is there a flavour you'd like that I've said that you'd like me skunk. to risk first? Skunk. Yeah, uh, I, I need to know what skunk spray tastes like. Okay, I have one black jelly bean. Alright. Um, and I have I have pre-prepared a bucket because I've been told some of these are, are gag inducing, so Well you said before we recorded yeah. that you, the smell of them alone will make well, you feel like retching. They, they don't have a smell while they're still whole. But I did take one of the bath vomit ones and just sort of push it enough that the the casing broke. Because I was curious. I had a sniff. I gagged at the smell. So this is going to be either skunk spray or licorice. Uh, right. Wish me luck. Okay. Ah! <laughs> it sounds like you've been attacked. Ah! <laughs> I bit into it, not even a chew. I bit through it and spat it straight out on reflex. <laughs> I take it you didn't get the licorice one. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm... <laughs> I'm Finish gonna, it, come I'm on. Gonna, I'm going to try Don't be and feet swallow it. I've, I've taken the spat out jelly bean. I'm going to try and eat it. Finish your dinner. <laughs> ah. 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 way in words you could describe the, um, the taste of it um 
Okay, so the smell of burnt plastic mm-hmm. mixed in with like the smell of shit. <laughs> that as a flavour. Burnt Operally. plastic and shit. <laughs> I'm Johnny Knoxville and this is shit jelly beans. Uh, do we do we continue them now or do we pepper these throughout the fucking show? Um honestly I feel I, I feel like getting this done now. <laughs> Right, okay, I'm Laura, gonna... what, I mean, by the... Just, just to ease your suffering a little bit, I'm drinking a delicious mango and passion fruit innocent smoothie. Fuck you, Gavin. <laughs> fuck you right in the, in the smoothie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck you in the smoothie. <laughs> um, um, right. Take, let's do the rotten egg. Um, the rotten egg or popcorn. Oh, yeah, that, that, I'm very interested why? in this one. <laughs> Okay. But, po- uh, buttered popcorn. You got the popcorn? I got All the right. popcorn. I am nice. glad of this. Mm. Try it again. What? Another of that? <laughs> Did you get a rotten egg one? It was a popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> what? I had, it in my, I had it in my mouth for like 15 seconds. I was like, this is fairly bland. This doesn't taste horrendous. Oh, it must be slow popcorn. release. And then I had some stuck in my teeth and it just... Oh. Oh. You know, apparently, um, apparently radioactive waste smells like rotten eggs. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So you, you could like eat those like next week when you're playing Fallout 4. Yeah, Thank get the you. lead belly perk. Yeah. Uh, for extra for extra immersion. I'm I'm gonna do the one that I'm fearing. I'm right. I'm going for peach or vomit. I'm I'm going this is gonna be my last one is gonna for now. Maybe we'll come back to them. It's peach or vomit. Alright. <laughs> what a great game show. Peach uh, or vomit. <laughs> 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 Do you need the bucket? Holy shit. To be fair, I do recall once tasting a vomit-inducing peach. Uh, uh. Uh, uh. Okay, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. That vomit jelly bean. Mm. Delicious. It, it tasted like bile, and it, it triggered my gag reflex. <laughs> I... Uh, the amount of, of liquid I have just expelled from my mouth is unpleasant. <laughs> Episode 50, everyone. Episode Laura's, 50. Laura's vomitus um, for your enjoyment. Get some water Uh-oh, down here. Oh, I can smell it. And I, I've had to seal the, the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> the smell. Uh. <sighs> oh, God. We're not even half an hour in. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, if if anyone's still listening to us right now, I mean, you're brave. <laughs> Thank you for still being with us. Uh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, what a great show so far. We, we've we've detailed the entire history of Halo Five, um, and Laura was sick. <laughs> so, <sighs> so that's really all people need. Oh, I mean, you've got your money's worth. Before we before we get off Halo, there's some Halo Five news this week. Little thing. I think it's kind of a nice thing to do. Um. There's a special collectible in Halo 5 that can only be collected by players who've played an online match logging in from an active military base. So actual soldiers get a get a unique item in their soldier shooty game. 
It makes sense, really, doesn't it? I mean, with the themes of the game, it is all about kind of military stuff and that kind of camaraderie, and I think that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. that is a nice thing to do for soldiers. Yeah. Um, is, uh, it, is it only in the US or is it worldwide? Um, I've only seen it for the US. I don't know if it's worldwide. Uh, but um, <laughs> actually, yeah, no, that I'm just thinking there. It could be kind of problematic if it was worldwide. <laughs> Quite <laughs> like if you're possibly. logging in from a military base in North Korea. <laughs> In, well, yeah, exactly. Um, so, video game news that happened this week. Um, this has been a really weird week for video game news in that nothing of any huge anything has happened. It's been a lot of, like, fragmented bits of news since we last recorded. <laughs> Ugh, sorry. Jelly beans keep <laughs> acting up on me. Uh, so, um... <laughs> Right. News, news we got this week. Xenoblade Zeno yes. Chronicles X on the Wii U. If you pre-order it from GameStop, you get a free pizza. Don't know why oh. that's a thing. Okay, you get a that pizza. Makes sense. If you, <laughs> you order a JRPG, they give you a pizza. Is it like a special um, like JRPG branded pizza or I, I, I did some investigating and no, it's just a voucher for a free pizza. If it's a company. Uh, Does it have big is... spiky hair and a huge sword and make smarmy quips and have to learn a lesson about life in the process? Yes, the pizza has to do all those things. Mm. Um, Speaking so... of smarmy quips, oh my god, Jacob. Every fu- <laughs> I've been playing more of Syndicate and every time I get hold of Jacob, I want to kill him. I make him jump off buildings so he dies. Yeah, it's... He's such a smarmy prick. He, yeah, I mean, we did talk about that last week, but I don't think there's a, I don't think you could spend too much time talking about what a, what a, what a fucking pranit. He he talks like a Metal Gear villain. (laughs) It's so weird. The big problem is is ours, Evie. It's nearly ours. And Evie's such an okay protagonist that like having the the moments where you're forced to not play as her yeah. just highlight how much you don't want to play as him. Yeah, and then yeah. I, and when know, he's I there just the writers, slagging her off the whole time. I think the writers might have hated him too because there's literally, there's two missions where Evie has to go in and, and clean up the fucking mess he's after making. Yeah, the, the he seems to be, I don't quite know why his character exists, like what <laughs> he adds to that narrative. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, so maybe it Maybe there's something later. I in think the they story, just but... needed they just needed a man on the front cover of the game, so that's why he's there. Are you implying that sexism is a factor that contributes to the marketing of video games sometimes, Jim? Are you implying such a SJW thing? I wouldn't dare. <sighs> I, I wouldn't dare imply such a thing. Just just wait until like we find out the reason for Mirror's Edge's delay is that so that they can add a male protagonist to stick on the cover. <laughs> and, and it's Jacob. Oh yes, please. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, Mir- Mirror's Edge 2 got delayed by a couple of months. Um That's not bad news. That means they're taking the time to make it good. Yeah, I'd like to see it come out good, so delays are fine. Uh Activision brought the um, King, who are the Candy Crush developers, for six billion dollars. That's that. Yeah, let's let's just consolidate all of the shit into one big shit pile, and that's it, nice and self-contained. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can have your mobile games and your MMOs, and we'll stick them all under Actablis, and Actablis yeah. will suck everyone's money, whether they play games casually or far too much. Yeah, everyone uh, can give us their money. Fuck King. 
Fuck King as a company. They're a bunch of assholes who, you know, trademark things they shouldn't have a fucking right to trademark and then act like complete fucking cock pieces about it. Like, the contempt I have for King as a company is almost rivaled by the contempt I have for the likes of Konami and Digital oh, Homicide. Did, did you not know that King.com invented the word candy? And as such, any attempt to use the word candy in a game name is infringing upon them because they're the only people who've ever thought of that idea, ever. Mm, and that yeah, I mean, really, that's basically how they really behave. scummy. That was so scummy. They are scummy. fucking low. And they... Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, like, the disgust... Because someone... I was making fun of them last night. Um, so someone said... Um, Oh, well, it's better than Konami buying it. And I'm like, no, no, nothing no. would delight me more than Konami buying it so they could run the run that piece <laughs> of shit into the ground like they do everything else. And someone was like, oh, that's a bit harsh. I'm like, no, no, no. You look into the history of King as a company and and, and you realise there there is no there is no such thing as too harsh when talking yeah. about those those just those scumbags. Like real fucking scumbags. One thing made me cannot th- stand King. There, were, there is one thing I thought was interesting that some people raised about this, which was if they have six billion dollars lying around to buy King, could they potentially have had less microtransactions in their game and still been a profitable company? And this goes to the whole thing last week Jim was saying of they don't need to do microtransactions as much as they do in their games, but they do. Because that's how they get to buy King.com. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, they don't need to, but they want to buy Candy Crush. Yeah. Do, do apparently, people still play Candy Crush? Oh, probably millions and billions, yeah. Even if they don't, the people who are proper obsessed are probably spending, like, way too much money on it. And that's how they make their money. It's it's that whole thing, and I, I hate the term. It makes actually makes my skin crawl saying it, but the whales, mm. uh, the customers who buy all of the microtransactions in those games, like, you know, they, they don't make money off of the millions of people playing games like Candy Crush. It's like the the 3% who play it, who spend millions of dollars a year on fake things. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a horrible business model. It's, you know, again, perfectly legal, but it makes my skin crawl. And, and the attitude towards treating customers like that. Like, just big egg sacks is just... Yeah. Just just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's, you know, moral <laughs> yeah. or ethical or a decent thing to that do. That said, someone emailed me. Um, Taith emailed me just before we recorded. Um, according to a report on Tech Buffalo, EA's making more money with DLC and microtransactions than with actual full games. Which just makes me fucking sad. Mm. Um, like, it's no wonder... And again, like, you know, this again goes back to the whole, oh, they need to make the money there. It's like, mm, they want it because look how much money they They want making. it because it's on the table and there's no reason not to take it. Nobody is looking. In many cases, there are people, like, actively offering that money. Why wouldn't they take it? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's hard to... Because people rail, like, you know, I rail against microtransactions in, and DLC exploitation and not not them in principle but the way they're implemented and people like are like well people keep buying it so why why does it matter and and that is hard to argue against but my other argument is that they're making money now um just like you know guitar hero once upon a time made money then before they released 10 hero games in a year and then the audience got sick of it and fucked off um these things 
only lasts so long, and and I fear yeah. that the sheer saturation of it is uh, is a long term mistake. Yeah. But and of course, any... these companies are very short term focused. Yeah, any financial gold mine can only remain a gold mine for so long before it's mined dry, and the companies only care about how much of that money can we get out of it while it's there. And how much of that can we reinvest into sending teams into working out what the next thing will be? And right now it's it's microtransactions. When that inevitably eventually blows up, there'll be some other model that we haven't thought of yet that someone will have been paid a million pound to come up with because there were millions upon millions upon millions of pounds available for that research because of the microtransactions. Yeah, I wish the industry was dead. Yeah, we hate video games. Video <laughs> games love, are terrible. Why do we... I love video games. I, I would I, much, I I would much rather up. discuss the, the politics of the Philippines. <laughs> I, I love video games as art, as entertainment, as creations, and I hate them as a business. Like, I, I, hate I, the, I hate the fact that they have to be created by people that have to find the money to create them. It's just it's it's one of these things where like I hate video games so much because I love video games so much. Like, mm. it's that's, a, that's how it's I a feel whole about thing. Music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, mm. music's even worse in like from an industry side. The music not, industry um, is I hate the music it's industry. fucking dead. I mean, it's dead in the water. It's music industry now is is ads for a brand that they sell other stuff and concert tickets through. You know. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm. And that that is not great. We are all miserable. We hate everything. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Yeah. Why you know, don't you eat another vomit jelly thing? Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> I do warn. I've my fiance is clearly concerned about what's going on because she's got headphones on while I do this. She's watching how to get away <laughs> with murder. I think. Can she smell those uh, sweets um, that you're? No, but she could hear me off. through. Her, her headphones were turned up on full. Big over ear headphones. She yeah. could hear me retching and went and got me lemonade because she's Aww. lovely. But she sent me a Facebook message during our podcast to say something to the effect of the neighbours are going to come knocking to find out if I'm beating you up. <laughs> it really did sound like you were being like physically yeah, attacked. Yeah, I don't want to make light of domestic abuse, but equally I am making some pretty horrendous sounds right now. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I, abuse I, I had isn't that funny. Exact it just problem, sounded... Laura. It's, this sounded year, horrible. When I was recording the metal album, I was really worried about what the neighbours were thinking of all this, like, cookie monster growling and screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I took... Oh, I took... speaking of neighbours. Um, neighbours? I filmed the Jimquisition Halloween stuff last week, as, as you all know. Um, yeah, the neighbours oh, yes. were quite interested <laughs> in that. Because the, the, the next-door neighbours, their house... Um, a window of their house looks directly into my garage when the garage doors open. Uh, so they watched as I'm putting on ceremonial hooded robes while other people are opening individual small bags of Doritos. I can only get the small ones on short notice. So I've got two big boxes. They're opening up small packets of Doritos and upturning them all over my garage floor. And I've just got the neighbours looking like kids just looking through the window, just utterly confused and bemused. Not knowing what the hell's going uh, on. And I had to film with them looking at me. Okay. <laughs> up, update on the situation with these jelly beans. I reopened the tub in preparation for I'm probably going to need this. The smell made me start retching. So I grabbed a tube of toothpaste and just squeezed it in the tube. In, into the tub. <laughs> so my, 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 my retching bucket is now full of, of toothpaste to mask the smell of my previous retching. Nice. So, uh, Jim, 
Jim, going back to the video, <laughs> I was uh, delighted in surprise when Cliffy showed up. <laughs> yeah, how oh, did that happen? You. A few people have been I asking this week about Cliffy. how that he's came f- about. He's fucking awesome. He's he's just such a cool dude. Yeah, how did you end up getting Cliffy down? Uh, well, we we know each other. <laughs> you know, we uh, we all met he and Cliffy I went... at, um, at Escapist Expo. Yeah, though that was the last time I saw him in person. Um, but he and I had after I reviewed Gears of War three, like the the joke of the Jimquisition ties into a real life thing, where he and I had a big falling out because I gave Gears of War three an eight out of ten, and we got into an <laughs> argument about it, and. And then you know it, it's looked back on um, fondly now, but because it Jim, Jim and time. I made a wonderful song about it, <laughs> and we we ended up making a song about um, Cliffy B, um, mm-hmm. in which I asked us to quash the beef, and that he'd fill an epic hole in my heart, um, and that all happened, and he and I sort of went got over it, and and ended up being quite friendly, and and we've always kind of given each other joking, you know, like like jokey shit, you know off and on so I just emailed him um, and was like look are you interested in doing this thing for a a video and he he straight away was like yeah that sounds fun so I I have a question though his his zinger about the 8 out of 10 was that his idea or your idea it was my idea. I wrote okay. it down, and I'm surprised he went for it actually. Yeah. But he, no questions asked. Like yeah. he, he just read everything I gave him verbatim. That's and it, brilliant. And did it perfectly. Because that was such a zinger at the end. I thought that was. Br- <laughs> was I, I thought it was brilliant I, I of was... him to uh, to reference that. Yeah, it's a wonderful sport about the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, and just the production of that that video, you did a tremendous job with that. So well Thank done. So That's a, clearly you. a lot of work went into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, well, I mean, it was months and months of planning, very expensive. You know, the, the mask was very expensive. And Kerry Dyer, who made it, um, she uh, has a YouTube channel that has a making of, which I need to put up on the, the Yeah, the we talked about soon. that last week. It's um, we did, yeah. Kerry Makes Things on YouTube. Yeah, definitely check it out. Like, you can really appreciate just... Just how long uh, and complicated making the shrimp head mask was. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm I'm about to eat another jelly bean, so wish me the best of luck. This Time is... for another edition of Peach or another Vomit. Another one. Uh, how many this fucking one is... jelly beans do you have? <laughs> there are ten different varieties here. Oh, okay, this is baby wipes or coconut. Brilliant. Whatever this is, it doesn't taste bad. Yeah. Uh, must be coconut. Um, I'm not too sure I find the idea of coconut. coconut jelly bean appealing, honestly. Okay, that, that is baby wipe. That is the taste of um, of of mildly scented baby wipes. Um, and it's not, not too bad. So bad it's not too bad. It's Then rat- again, after you've eaten skunk, skunk jizz and vomit. Yeah. I don't know whether that is peppering my experience, just that... The weirdest thing is swallowing it. It feels like I'm swallowing something that shouldn't be swallowed. Like the feeling of like swallowing paper or something. And that that is a probably the sensation you would See, get what's, swallowing what's a mouthful of baby wipe. What's happening to you now, Laura, is the same thing as playing Halo 5 after all the open world games. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is better than the other thing, I yeah. guess. Hurrah. You're like those people who like play like 
a really shitty horror game on Steam and think to themselves, well, at least it's not the slaughtering grounds. Yeah. Like, they've just become so so inoculized to uh, the whole idea of, of shittiness. It's like, well, it's not skunk jizz or mm. it's not vomit. I, I so... Okay, I've got one more and I've not even broken it yet and I can smell its moldy cheese. It's not caramel corn. Hi, Jim here, just uh, interrupting the regular recording to warn you that um, basically what happened in the next section was grotesque and upsetting. So we've replaced the sounds of Laura being quite literally sick with the rainbow theme. Uh, However, if you're worried about censorship, uh, don't worry. Um, Listen at the very end. There'll be a moment of silence after we say goodbye, and then the the horrible sounds will be there for you to listen to. Uh, We thought we'd put it at the end so that you can choose whether or not you want to listen to... uh, a lady throwing up. Yeah. Let's let's get back on with the show. Oh. Oh, that was gr- Okay. Um let's let's not do this again. Yeah. I have a feeling our listeners are really going to get upset. Sorry, that is the that end. Was, uh, that is that the end was, of peach or vomit. That made me feel unwell hearing that. That that's peach or vomit everyone. Thank you, I feel Ian. like I'm going to have to do a, a content warning at the beginning of I'm, this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely like, I wasn't sure how this was going to go, and we're probably going to have to work out some solution for this in the We're going to have to put notes. a not suitable for life warning at the, the start of this <sighs> episode. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, I don't feel well hearing in, that. In yeah, case that was, Laura goes uh... too far, <laughs> eats something that seriously <laughs> mortally wounds her. Yeah, the rest of these jelly beans are going back in the box, and the box is going in the bin. <laughs> I would seal it in concrete and dump it in the ocean. Or just send it to Gav so he has to eat one if he yeah. mentions Fallout 4 next week. Um, yeah, oh, no, God. I, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, you're not going like... to ingest these. Someone asked a question I... this week. Would you, if we did a panel, would you uh, make us do the, eat the manky things you eat? And I'm like, well, she can try, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. If I turn up to an eventual podquisition live and there's an audience there and I spring it on you that there are drinks and food to consume, that audience is going to pressure you. Yeah, Just I, putting I that don't into give the a mix. shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not susceptible to audience pressure at all, so they can pressure all they want. Have you not seen the amount of requests I get for Five Nights at Freddy's and Pokemon? Well, and I'm but never, we, we ever all know doing that you're it. eventually going to do them. We know that it's going to eventually happen. Maybe when the money dries up. <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Everyone, Thankfully, stop I'm watching any of right now. Do not have to. Yeah, Anyone... that's your version of a sex tape. Is yeah. is a Five Pokemon Nights at Freddy's song. So the the only solution is everyone stop consuming Gavin's media until he runs out of money, and then he'll make the things you want. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. <laughs> Uh, like, that is how you'll get what you want, but don't do it. Don't, don't no, get what you want. that's not how they get what they want at all. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I played The Binding of Isaac after birth. How was that? <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Um, Fucking was, was it brilliant. as distressing as listening to me eat a jelly bean? Um, no, no. It, it, it's... It's... As difficult to play as <laughs> as listening to you um, do that, but no, no, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. Like I'm really impressed. Like the amount of extra work that's gone into it. Like this is not just it, like it, it. In many ways, it feels like a whole new game. Like I mean, it's still fundamentally the same thing, but so much has changed. Like new new floor types. Um, 
new whole bunch of new enemies, whole bunch of new items. Um, I stumbled on a, a whole new boss that I won't talk about, but you can see me fight it um, at the end of a video I did on my YouTube channel. Uh, greed mode is quite something, and the the end the the climax to greed mode is just wow. Um, so yeah, like it's it's beautiful. I actually played it for there's a video, and I I never normally let them go on this long, but there is a squirty play on my YouTube channel that is like an hour and twelve minutes long of of me going through both greed mode and regular mode. Um, well worth checking out. Uh, do check that video out. It took me ages to fucking render it. It was weird, but yeah. Uh, Afterbirth is just I cannot recommend it enough. Like it's just. If if you've never played the game before, this is a good good chance to jump in. And if you have played it before, like so much of it is transformed with the extra stuff that it's it's just a joy rediscovering the game again after a year of of playing it almost every day. Uh, just really reinvigorated it. And then I love Macmillan's approach to that, like he, the way he's he's done Isaac over the past few years, starting with regular mm -hmm. Binding of Isaac, and then to, um, you know, various updates uh, and the things like Wrath of the Lamb, which added whole new areas and then of course Rebirth, which added mm -hmm. its own things now after, but the way he builds on something um, and really expands it, I mean he, he showcases I think one of the best ways of, of using DLC uh, when he mm -hmm. makes a game like this, My like, like this isn't just incremental. Like that game, he could just sell packs, like mm. new item packs and things. But he doesn't. You know, he sells full-on fucking expansions that give you an explosion of new content. My, my my big question is, for someone that has finished what they felt the original Binding of Isaac had to offer and has been itching to get around to this, roughly how how long do you reckon this is going to take for people to? get through and feel like, yes, I got through this expansion. Is that too early to ask? Um, probably too early, especially because Macmillan's been dropping hints that oh. some of the content isn't even there yet. Yeah, like, there's some stuff about maybe an ARG going on at the moment. Yeah, like, there are riddles that people are trying to crack right now with that game. Like, the stuff that... Like, like... It's been suggested that the stuff that was promised isn't in the game, and Macmillan is saying, it's there! Uh, and then dropping weird little clues as to how to get to it. So I feel like this is going to be a quite the nut to crack. Interesting. Uh, so I feel like it's going to last quite some time. And how how much is this up update? I can never remember how much uh, this one I is. Yeah, I'm I've, I've got it right open on Steam, um, or I should do. Here we are, store page. The Afterbirth expansion is something uh, ten ninety nine. Uh, dollars, and so far you're feeling like, yep, you like Binding of Isaac. This is this is ten ninety nine's worth of new Binding of Isaac, probably. Oh, absolutely. I mean, between the new enemies, the new levels, the new bosses, the way some of the old items have been changed, um, it's just like it's it's more than I expected. You know, I just I tried to limit my exposure to coverage of Afterbirth to be surprised, but even then, like. I knew some stuff was coming, and it's more expensive than I imagined it was going to be. The amount of stuff just blew me away. Because I was worried, because most of my progress is on PS4 and 3DS. And to do a video of it, of course, it has to be on PC. And I'm like, there's, there'd be no point doing a PC one, because I've got no progress on it. I won't be able to show anyone the new stuff. 
but it's immediate. The new stuff is immediate. Uh, straight away, I can play it, and I'm like, look at all this new shit. Uh, it, it's just such a transformation of the game that it's, yeah, 10, ten bucks is it's a steal for the amount of extra stuff you get out of the game. How, um, uh, what was my question? Yeah, is the expansion available already on the 3DS version? Uh, no, in fact, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it for a while. If well, it's all, I, I was going to say my my big question is is well, the 3DS version's still not out in the UK or Europe yet on 3DS, which oh, is man. you know uh, a thing. I was like, oh, I want to get into Isaac, and 3DS is where I want to be playing it at the moment. So I was kind of hoping, like, oh, maybe when it arrives, Afterbirth will be there, and that'll be a good chance for me to jump in. Probably not. Yeah, that's that's sad. I mean, first of all, they need to fix a 3DS version. Like they've issued patches, it still fucking crashes. Like I'm, I'm really in. I really enjoy playing it on the 3DS, but when it first launched, you couldn't play Boss Rush um, for a long time. I don't know if they've even issued the patch for it yet. But certain items that recharge, like rechargeable battery items, crash the game. Um, it's it's fucking broken, and and it really is sad. Uh, so I hope they fix that. And, you know, I hope the the Afterbirth comes to 3DS as well as PS4. That would be nice. I'd like Afterbirth to come to 3DS as well. Yeah, that, that's After good. After they fix it. I, I played a game this week that was a little indie game. Well, I played a couple mm-hmm. of indie games for review this week for Destructoid. Um, one of them was Human Resource Machine, which is the new game from Tomorrow Corporation, who did World of Goo and Little Inferno. And have either of you played either World of Goo or Little Inferno? No. Uh, yeah, I played. I definitely played Little Inferno. Okay, so here's here is my recommendation as someone who was really into both World of Goo and Little Inferno. What I particularly liked about those games is that they were a pair of games that were mechanically accessible, but had really interesting dark themes that slowly emerged through their narratives, where it was. Hey, here's a really simple, accessible set of mechanics. Oh, oh, this is this is slowly getting... Da- Where's this going? Oh, no, I've gone down the dark rabbit hole. And that was enjoyable. And that's kind of <laughs> what I went into, um, into Human Resource Machine somewhat expecting, for better or worse, being like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what I've come to expect out of these people and their games. And this is probably the exact opposite of that. It is very inaccessible mechanics and next to nothing in the way of um, narrative presentation. The entire, oh. the entire narrative is pretty much the surface level plot that you get in a trailer for that game, which is, you work in a factory. This factory basically does basic programming, but humans are doing it. Robots are coming. You better get good at your job or the robots will take it. And that is about as much plot as you get in this game. Um... The core of the game itself is learning basic programming logic concepts in order to work your way through a series of challenges. Mm-hmm. Good, uh, the good stuff, um, it's got a very easy to understand interface. Um, all of the ways that it teaches you things like um, step-by-step debugging are really nicely handled. Um, if a s- program you've created to do something works for the set of data they gave you, but it doesn't work for every set of data it will tell you that, bring up a set of data that it will fail for, and then allow you to go through step by step and see, oh, this is why it fails for this set of data and what I need to fix. 
it's very very interesting as a as an interface for learning for learning programming logic the problem is the early sections of the game are far too easy for someone that already knows a bit about programming and the later sections of the game are a take far too large a set of leaps of logic for someone who's new to programming like at the beginning it will be things like um Okay, uh, use an inbox command to get the number from the inbox. Take it to the outbox using the outbox command. Perhaps take one thing from the inbox, put it on the floor, get the second, put the second on the outbox first, then put the first on the outbox. So you've put two items on in the wrong order. Things like that are okay. Suddenly it might start asking you, like, Hey, um, oh, what's the... What is the thing called where it's, um... A Fibonacci sequence. Without any context, it will at one point ask you, okay, find a way to take a number off the inbox, create a Fibonacci sequence that reaches but does not exceed the number itself, then put all those numbers from the Fibonacci sequence onto the outbox in order, then the original number, with very little in the way of explanation, and you have to start looking up like outside concepts. If you don't know what Fibonacci sequence is, you've got to go and outside research to wrap your head around that, and... It throws a whole bunch of things at you very quickly sometimes in ways that require outside research. And if you just Google the term of the thing it's trying to teach you, you will not get user-friendly tutorials, or at least not as user-friendly as the tutorials you'll be expecting if you were just playing this game. And there are times where it just feels like this is going to be completely inaccessible if you don't already know programming logic. So that's a shame. Um, I wasn't super hot on that. And this this is all tied in the Halo universe, right? Yes, this is all tied in the Halo universe. When you get to the top floor, the Halo takes your job. Gotcha. Okay. And the other one I played was a game um, called Poncho, where you play a... Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, you play a little robot that can jump between the foreground and background layers of a platforming level. Uh, First time I played this was about two years ago. I did not have a good experience playing this game two years ago at an event. First of all, it kept crashing to hard locks. And it was halfway through my like fourth attempt at playing the game at an event that they realised that, oh, you have to not touch any buttons during loading screens or it will just hard crash. So it wasn't a technically polished first showing. Beyond that, I had real concerns about like, there are some really big problems in your puzzle design, particularly in terms of how easy it is to get stuck into infinite falling loops by accident that you cannot escape from. And I warned the developer this two years ago, and I played the game for review. Big surprise, it still has some buggy sections, and there are still a lot of places where you can accidentally get yourself stuck in infinite falling loops. Oh, Christ. So I was like, uh, adorable game, I love the concept, love the idea, you really needed to fix this problem. Like The biggest problem it has is... Um, sometimes you will try and make a jump and almost land on a piece of solid ground, but not quite make the jump and fall to fall to your doom. And the problem is it will register you as having touched that new piece of ground. So it sets that as your new respawn point, but you haven't technically touched it. So you just are next to a platform you almost landed on falling forever and you can't get any momentum to go left or right from that falling position. 
and you're just who needs QA? Yeah, who needs QA? So who needs you? Fuck it. Lovely concept. Uh, Really disappointed by the execution. Um, I got. That's a shame. I got really frustrated. I also got very frustrated with. There are certain puzzles that have no safety nets where it is. Hey, here is fifteen platforms in a row, all moving between foreground and background layers at alternate speeds. You can't see all of them from the safety of your starting position. So you have to start making these jumps and then assess the movement speeds of other platforms back and forth with like maybe two seconds to do so at any one time for platforms yeah. you haven't been able to see and study. And it just I can't got, even visualize what yeah, you're saying to me right now. <laughs> it, is, it is complex and obtuse and you get like two thirds of the way along and then you fall and you've got to do the whole thing again and... It's just achingly slow process sometimes, progress sometimes with very little in the way of convenient checkpointing or safety nets. So still, still, yeah. afterbirth's good. Afterbirth is good. You could shoot holy tears. Ah. Afterbirth is great. Just ask Tom Cruise. I wonder how many people are going to get that. You probably would have to know a bit about Tom Cruise to get that one. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I was just playing along. Yeah, you see, he, he ate his uh, wife's placenta after the birth. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was dirty boy. There was some Nintendo news this week as well. They're finally getting unified account systems that have logins from various social medias. and Lies! Uh, yeah, no, believe it, apparently. Um, I cannot believe you this. Can, there's going to be a new account that's called My Nintendo Account. Which you can log into using an email address or a Twitter account or a Facebook or whatever you want to use. It will have a... It will allow you to log in between systems. It will have a permanent purchase history that will stick with you if you log in from a new console. It's an account system! Wow. Finally! Welcome to the welcome Only to a the decade late! Only yeah. a decade late. <sighs> so, my question is, is... Is this going to fuck it up? Is this going to fuck up everything, like, like the current Nintendo ID system? Like, like, where are they going to fuck this up? That's the question. Yeah. Because well, they will, and it'll be annoying. They'll find some way, some distinctly Nintendo way to bugger that up. I have and some, I can't wait yeah, to find out what it is. I have some predictions about that already. First of all, I think for this current generation of consoles you are going to have to have simultaneously your Nintendo Network ID and this new account. Uh-huh. I think you're going to have to have both of them installed at once, at least until the, the NX comes out. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's how they get around like you still having your Nintendo uh, ID purchases and friends, but also having your new account. And then you're going to lose some stuff because you'll move over to the NX and they'll be like, oh, with the NX, you'll have backwards compatibility of all of your, uh, your you know, virtual console games, except the ones that were attached to your Nintendo ID. So half of your Wii U games you can move over. You can't move those ones over because you bought them before we put this thing in. It's going to be that a That all sounds very Nintendo. Yeah. I mean, if they pull it off without a hitch, I'm all for it. Like, it's about time they fucking did something like this. Um, especially, I mean, it's always surprised me that a company that has fans that tie their identity so closely to Nintendo's work Mm. has always struggled to give people a sense of permanent, tangible identity. You know, Microsoft nailed that with an Xbox Live account. Uh, Sony brought up the rear, but did eventually get it, get with the program with, with a PlayStation account. 
Um, they gave you, uh, you know, trophies, achievements, all this bullshit. Not, you know, it's all bollocks, but it nonetheless gave you a sense of, of a closer sense of affinity with the mm. stuff you had and the stuff you, you were doing. A online. sense of loyalty to the brand. Yeah. And, and stuff like Miiverse has been a nice move in that direction. Yeah. But even so, it's all felt so impermanent because you never know when Nintendo's just going to ditch it. Yeah. Uh, so having this idea, having some sort of anchor um, is something that it shocks me. They, I mean, I say it shocks me. The fact it's Nintendo means it's not shocking. Yeah. Um, but if any company would have benefited the most from that, that sort of identifying anchor, Nintendo would have been the company. So it, it's just, it's amazing. In many ways, yeah. that they never did it, but in some other ways, it's it's really not amazing. At it's all. it's no surprise, really. I just cross my fingers and hope that this works out. The, I hope so. Yeah. The the other bit of news we got at the same time was we finally found out some stuff about Nintendo's first iOS game that's coming next year. Oh dear. Have you heard anything about this, Jim? I actually haven't. No, I'm sorry. I'm yawning. I am. Um... <laughs> Am I that boring, Jim? Do I need to start gagging again? No, no, I suddenly got really sleepy. Um, (laughs) I have not heard the iOS news, no. Okay, I was kind of surprised by this because this is the last thing I would have predicted from Nintendo. Their first iOS game is going to be called Miitomo. And it is a communications app. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, Basically, you, you make a me. And then you, in some way, shape, or form, communicate with your friends using Mies. Now, here's the thing. I was surprised because communication is usually a thing that Nintendo don't like existing or acknowledging exists. Well, it makes Triforce Heroes quite difficult sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very curious to find out what is the Nintendo spin that they're going to put on this. Yeah. How are they going to make this obtuse and weird? Yeah. Well, first of all, they're going to call it Miitomo, which is a name that does not roll off the tongue. At first, I thought they'd called it Mimoto, after Miyamoto. Mm. But no, I'd been misreading it for a whole day by the time I worked that out. So... Miitomo. Miitomo. You make a me, and then maybe you'll communicate with people in some way, shape, or form. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and that's all I can say about it. Okay, that that is really all right. Nintendo. Yeah, it's just been one of those weeks. Should we should we go do some questions for a bit? Because why not? Yeah. We got not? we got through the lack of news bit. Um, let's have a look. What questions do we? Episode fifty. Episode fifty. You, you you're still listening for some reason. We've done more than two days of this. Why are you listening? Um, right, so questions, the first question is from someone whose name I will probably completely and utterly butcher, I am very sorry, uh, Masijuio, I don't know why I made you French, I'm suspecting you're not French, uh, last week we discussed some people on the show who we don't feel are video game auteurs, are there some developers or designers in the industry that we do consider auteurs? And this Absolutely. was sort of in response to us. This was in response to us kind of saying, like, David Cage, not an auteur. Phil Fish likes to think he's an auteur. Phil like, Fish who do we think of the. He doesn't really. It's, I, he probably does. Who do we think are the auteurs of the games industry? Warren I think, Spectre. honestly, any. Any developer who. Who makes, you know, the games largely by themselves, really. Mm. I mean, you look at someone like Mike Bithell or... Disclosure. 
Yeah, Disclosure might be a who I work with on yeah. his game sometimes. I think also um, someone who's like, whose role is in is completely indispensable, like your Ken Levines and your Warren Spectres, you know, they mm. I would consider those guys authors. Yeah. And even then you have to wonder, like, because those productions are so big, is it possible to have a AAA author, really? Because they are such big yeah. projects uh, in which, you know, a, a, a movie director can have a definitive final say. Whereas here it's like there's so many bits and pieces, so many com- like corporations pulling strings and yeah. making decisions above your there's, head. There's a few AAA uh, people who I think maybe fit into that mold. Like for a time, I felt like Suda 51 potentially fit into the auteur mold. Obviously, Ko- Kojima, I mean, that's indisputable. <laughs> I, I would dispute that, actually. Mm, yeah, considering, so would I. Considering, you know, the microtransactions and all this stuff that was put into... Um, uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 and the idea that some of the stuff that's in there uh, wasn't his idea and some of the stuff he wanted in there isn't in there I just yeah. I feel like it's impossible to be an auteur in certain situations yeah I feel like he at one point may have been an auteur but I feel like that time has potentially passed well I mean now that he's you know even though they're denying it now that he's on his own mm. if now he goes like Kickstarter or whatever yeah now that he's on holidays uh, he has the potential, I think, to become a, a large-scale, yeah. significant auteur. But I just feel like when you've got a company like Konami or Electronic Arts or whoever like breathing down your neck, I, I don't know if it's possible yeah. to be um, you know, that sole creative force in a game. I think Tim Schafer is, is probably fair to call him to some point an auteur, at least with his, some of his early titles. To a degree, I think... I certainly agree there. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting that Jim mentioned Mike Bithell because, like, when I saw this question, the first thing that jumped to mind for me is particularly, like, the 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 top end of indie developers at the moment where you've got people who definitely came in on very low budgets in the indie scene, had very successful first games that have allowed them to expand projects but stay independent, and are now being the sort of small indie studios that still have one definitive like voice behind them are definitely some of the interesting spaces for auteur works so yeah like but of course they wouldn't get the credit for that because when you think auteur you think big budget movies Mm. so you know that's why people like david cage have laid claim to the term um whereas if if we were to take the auteur theory and put it in video games, it's probably only possible in game projects that you would not associate with the term yeah. auteur theory. Yeah, I think it's, it's only really thing. viable I mean, in like indie or the old middle tier yeah. of game development. No, no, it's not. Honest, Tom th- Clancy is the greatest video game auteur. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, I think it speaks volumes of the difference between movie and, and video games, you know, film and, mm. and games, in the... It's so difficult to take something like auteur theory and just slap it on video games, which, you know, may speak to the ignorance of a certain um, video game director who I won't name. But there you go. Uh, we need to clear something up, actually. I saw something in the comments saying that we hate David Cage. No, that's a very... I don't think there's a, 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 any of us hate anyone we talk out. No, we, just, we just like no. taking the piss. And yeah, I, I just think, think this, he's a this, fanny. This sometimes, I think... Sometimes comes from a divide between American and 
And I will say this, we, the Irish and the British have a really similar sense of humour. And I think mm. we get that from coexisting for so long. We Definitely. take the fucking piss and like we slam each other to pieces with our humour, like really badly. And I think sometimes it doesn't translate so well to American audiences and it can come across as hateful when it really isn't. Anyone who follows both me and Gray Carter on Twitter knows just this theory in its most extreme. <laughs> like, if you if you didn't know we were best of friends, you'd think we fucking hated each other, the shit we say. Like, So, um, other questions we have this week. Um, Lobster Rage Fist wants to ask, what do you think I, of I, ideas... Can I just say I love oh. that name? <laughs> that is a brilliant name. <laughs> Lobster Rage Fist. Lobster Rage Fist is pretty cool. Uh, what do you think of things like National Novel Writing Month and similar creative kicks up the arse? Do you feel that they are helpful to the creative process at large? So for anyone that doesn't know what National Novel, National novel Writing Month is, for fiction writers, it is basically during the month of November, try and crank out 50,000 words or more. Do not worry about the quality of them. Do not go back to edit just get the raw words onto paper. Yeah, or it's it's very similar, I think, to the the concept of like how people do game jams, where it's like, get together a working prototype in two days. Mm. And I, I know that a lot of people argue both ways on this. Like, some people really don't like the idea of things like game jams, because they're very sort of, oh, nothing good ever comes out of them. Mm. I... Don't know what you both think. I personally really like the concept. I think it very much um, depends on the writer and how, what kind of approach and quality they can get out of and, working that way, you know. And I think I think a lot of it comes down to what you're hoping to get out of them as as a thing. Like, um, for like National a, Novel Writing Month, for example, I know that novels are a really terrifying thing for a lot of fiction writers to start work on. Because of their huge scope and length, it's very easy to just not complete a novel because of paranoia about quality. And if National Novel Writing Month gets you through a first draft of a novel, even if it's not good, that you can say, I got through a 60,000 word book, I got 60,000 words and a full arc written, then sometimes the, the writing your you know more slow, methodical thing later is less scary. It, re it really depends on the person, because like, on one hand, it's like anything that inspires and encourages young artists is great. On the other, like I can only speak from personal experience, but deadlines definitely have a negative impact on the quality of my work. And I think a lot of artists are the same. I, I know for me, having strict deadlines and forcing myself to do things on a very regular basis in a short period of time was very helpful for me for getting into good habits later mm. in that like I, when I was starting off in writing, told myself, okay, no matter what, 1000 words a day, you're going to write no matter what happens. And I did it. And it got me into really good habits later on in that it meant that I was able to keep up motivation through thick and thick and thin. I can also understand how that could turn out really badly for other people in that it could foster habits of, creation regardless of quality and forcing stuff out into the world that isn't ready exactly it's yeah. a it's a difficult balance it's all down <laughs> to the person like i don't blanket dislike these concepts and if they're helpful to you go right ahead i think it's an idea that could really excel with musicians it's particularly like if you had musicians that were very um well versed in um improvisational stuff you could mm. maybe create a great event around that 
Yeah, like, I know I've done that in the past when I used to be in a band, in that we once set ourselves, like, three hours, and we were like, right, for three hours, we are just gonna, we'll record ourselves, and we are just gonna play, improvised, Mm. and not stop. And it might turn out terrible. Riffs riffs and ideas and hooks come from that kind of jamming. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan, if you look up, if you look up Song A Day Man on YouTube, I did a song with Jonathan Mann once. Uh, January 2014, I think it was, I did a song with him, but he does a song every single day without fail. Like, 90% of them don't turn out well. 10% of them turn out fantastic. And it's like, oh, that is a creative thing, if that's what works for you. I would rather create 10 great songs in a year than 100 with maybe 10 good ones out of them. Well, for him, it's it's a thing of just, like, motivation and keeping himself on a deadline of, like, I will continue creating and make sure I do it. And I admire that. And sometimes I get really nice surprises out of his YouTube stuff. Just just make yeah, sure exactly. you understand like what habits it might be fostering and keep those in mind with these yeah, kind of exactly. things. A uh, question that I think Gavin's definitely going to have an answer ready for. Um, Stuart, Den- Stuart Denyu wants to ask, what was your first live gig experience for music? Uh-huh. Oh, well, I've, mine was a good one, actually. It was Michael Jackson. Uh, in it. it was oh. in... 1988. <laughs> Just I had the been, bad tour. Uh, it, was, it was a further three years before I was born. Yeah. Oh, really? Holy <laughs> I shit. I wasn't born until three years after your first gig. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I'm young. It was, it was fucking amazing. I mean, I was when I was eight, I was like, he was my hero, like, and uh, I had this little jacket. You, do you remember those jackets? They were like puffy little kids' jackets and they had two ropes on the front with little plastic beads at the end. Yeah. I spent the entire concert like jumping and swinging the two of those around like some kind of weird booby tassels. It was amazing. <laughs> what a fucking show. That guy could really perform. I mean, he was a master of his craft. Yeah, you know? it, it's undeniable how, how amazing he was in his in his peak. Um, yeah. um, my, I feel kind of bad that my first gig experience was a lot less um of a band that anyone will have heard of so i went to see a band called air traffic and no one's heard of air traffic anymore they had like maybe one single in 2006 and you never heard of them again but the opening act was a band called the hoosiers who did that song um worried about ray and a lot of people I heard thought you that. were going to say, take me to church there. I thought you were doing no, no, the gym no, no, and not, making not... Hosier into the Hoosiers. <laughs> no, no. Jen, it was the Hoosiers who did, oh, women get worried about Ray, that song. And at this point, like, they hadn't released a single yet. So they were a support act in my local town who could only afford to have cardboard cut out letters of spelling out their band name. As they're like, oh, here's our set dressing. We cut out the name of our band out of cardboard. And two weeks later, Worried About Ray came out and they suddenly exploded. And I was like, oh, I saw them a couple of weeks back. So that I've was nice. I got to them. see. The Who's Years? Yeah, uh, they were a thing in the UK for a couple of years in mainstream music. Uh, I will send like, you one like of their the li- songs. Like the Libertines. Yeah, I will send you one of their songs after we're done. I they were a, a good band. With, but, um, yeah. I did a gig once with that, one of those guys from the Libertines. It wasn't Pete Doherty, it was the other dude. What was his name? After the Libertines broke up, the other guy formed a band and we did a gig with them. And I'm a, a gentleman doesn't kiss and tell, but my God, that was an after show party to remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, last question I've got up on. I'm going to see Night Nightwish this year at some point. <gasps> Ooh, very yeah. nice. I'm not. I don't say when because I never say in public when I'm not going to be at home. But you know, <laughs> so. But yeah, at some point this year, I will be seeing Nightwish. Yeah. Right. Last question this week we've got from Side Hero. If you were to elect one video game character to be president of the United States of America, who would it be? Oh. I I have an answer for this. My answer being my president from Saints Row 4. I was because, just thinking that. I was yeah. really just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, she can make serious decisions when needed. She can also punch an alien in the face should the need arise. It's like, she makes the difficult decisions. Uh, cure world hunger or cure cancer. Because those are decisions that the president can make by signing a piece of paper and not the other piece. President! <laughs> I would pick um, Arthanax. Because, you know, he would just, like... Every time he would be asked a question, he would have some vague answer with wisdom in it that people would go, oh, okay, well, we won't question you about this anymore because you're too boring. Is that a good place to wrap up? I think that's a good place to wrap up. Laura, people need to know the stuff that you're doing when you're not retching over jelly beans. How can people find out about your stuff? Laura K Buzz on most things. Laura K Buzz on Twitter. Laura K Buzz on Patreon, which pays the bills. Laura K Buzz on YouTube. Laura K. Buzz on pretty much everything. Hopefully I won't be retching on any of those things in the near future. And Gavin, Gavin, Gabby, Gav, kind of a pop star. How can people find out about your lovely music that you do and all the other stuff on the internet, please? Thanks. Miracle of Sound on YouTube and Miracle of Sound on Twitter, which I haven't actually been on much lately. And if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you have seven days. Because after that, it's hermit time. By the way, I re I really reinforced this idea of of anyone who's like in the entertainment internet industry delete Twitter from your phone. It is such a freeing experience. Not not because of fans and stuff, but just because of watching the feed all the time. It's it just it's this whole new aspect of life opens up for you that you really miss. <laughs> I'm yeah. getting very close to it. It's probably going to happen sooner than later, so mm. Yeah, I deleted my Twitter app on my phone uh, last year, last October, I think. Actually, it's sort of around about this sort of anniversary time. And it was a very liberating experience. Uh, this is to say no ill of people on the Twitters and whatnot. But after all the toxicity that's in there, uh, it was just, yeah, not having it on my phone, not constantly checking on stuff has been a real psychological lifesaver. And, and just the, the temptation... The temptation to keep watching what's going on, it's gone. Like, even when I get onto Twitter now in the afternoons on my desktop, I just look at what people have added at me and I don't really watch the feed anymore. So I don't see what the latest outrage and controversy is anymore. And it's lovely. Oh, it's so I'm, nice. I managed not to find out for several hours that Twitter had changed stars into hearts for favourites and they're now likes. Oh. <laughs> I managed to avoid that for several hours. Okie dokie, thanks as always for listening to us and putting up with our shit. We will see you next week. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye.
Ah! 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 Ah!